Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The Boxing Breakdown is back. My name is Brian Campbell, one half of your morning combat duo going solo today. Why? Look, there's a big one this Saturday on the box calendar, and I had to get you all kinds of fired up. Whether you're a hardcore fan, whether you're a casual, here's what you need to know about this Saturday's trilogy bout from Las Vegas. It's Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin, part three. One of the most historic rivalries of this era or any. We know the grudge match implications. We know it's been four years since these two has touched gloves. But this Saturday, as I mentioned, the first of this series at 168 pounds. Hey, we're going to find out. We're going to find out the answers to many questions. So allow me right now in the boxing breakdown to set the stage in three major categories. Why this fight matters. What to watch for and why. And most importantly, what does each fighter have to do? Who wins and why? What are the keys to victory to look for as we head into this third meeting? So why don't we get started right away? Uh, why does this fight matter? Look, uh, two of the biggest stars of this era. It's been a while since they touched gloves. 2017 and 2018 were the first two fights, both unifications for middleweight titles. And if you don't remember what happened, let's take you back to 2017. Canelo Alvarez moving up in weight, coming up to the middleweight division. And we ended with one of the most controversial finishes in modern boxing history. A split draw at the end of the day. 115-113 in favor of Golovkin. 114-114. And of course, the outlier Adelaide Bird giving us the 118-110 scorecard for Canelo, which fueled all kinds of controversy and disputes. They scheduled to do it six months later in May of 2018. A failed drug test due to clenbuterol for Canelo Alvarez delayed it to the fall, but only furthered the bad blood between them. When the second fight came around in late 2018, these two delivered yet another all-action classic, even better than the first. And it went down as a majority decision through 12 rounds for Canelo Alvarez. 115-113 on two scorecards and 114-114 on the third. What's happened in the four years since then? Uh, a lot, to be fair. Both fighters getting signed to DAZN after the fall of HBO Boxing's long reign. And despite a lot of money being thrown at them by DAZN to essentially make this trilogy as the centerpiece of what the streaming network was trying to do upon its launch, it took a while seemingly to get Canelo Alvarez interested in wanting to do this. He felt 
He'd already won the rivalry. He wanted to move up to 168 pounds where he became the first four belt undisputed champion. And he, he of course, split two fights on the title level at light heavyweight. So we're going to do this a third time at 168 pounds, as I mentioned. But of course, a lot has changed. Triple G now 40 years old. Canelo Alvarez at 32, still the pound for pound king on my scorecard, but just four months removed from just the second loss of his career, a decision defeat to Dimitri Bivol. So there's plenty of different motivations and, and, you know, stakes in this one. So why does this fight matter? Well, first of all, it's historically relevant. First of all, the third fight of, of really the second best rivalry in this modern era of boxing over the last 20, 25 years. What's the first? the four-fight series between Manny Pacquiao and Juan Manuel Marquez. Not only did that rivalry have disputed finishes like this one, and then obviously in the fourth fight in 2012, a monstrous walk-off knockout by Marquez, uh, it had the same kinds of bad blood that we had here. It also had two of the top three at the time for most of those fights, pound-for-pound -pound fighters facing off. And while right now this third fight, Gennady Golovkin is in an interesting spot at age 40, hasn't lost. Since the second Canelo fight, a disputed one at that, the only loss in his career, unified middleweight titles came back and showed us who he still is. But it's really the the, the history between them, the historical relevancy of these two fighters as all-time greats and pound-for-pound -pound leaders of this era, even if Triple G's might not no longer be that same guy. And when you look at the unfinished business caused by the disputes of the decisions, there's still so much at stake in this third fight. Also, as I mentioned earlier, all four super middleweight titles at stake. That that certainly adds a wrinkle in terms of the gravy you can put on top for the winner. Because if you're really asking what's at stake for both, for Canelo, it's to leave no doubt against his bitter rival. They said you, you didn't beat him the first one. You got lucky with a draw. People were split on the second one. Well, hey, this third one gives you that chance to once again defeat, arguably, maybe aside from Floyd Mayweather, the toughest challenge Canelo has ever faced. And obviously for Triple G, this is the only guy he's ever had a blemish against. Triple G set the middleweight title defense record, had a 23-fight knockout streak, was, you know, at his peak, a, a force of nature. But this is the only guy that's gotten in his way and, and made some trouble. He felt he's been wronged. A lot of boxing media and fans do. He's going to get that opportunity to uh, kind of fix what he feels has been done to him. Uh, the historically relevant part is a big part of why we're excited about this, even due to the four-year gap between the second and third fight. I had a chance to catch up this week with Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin, and Triple G's trainer, Jonathan Banks. We're going to sprinkle in some sound from all three on this show to further tell the full story. Let's go to Canelo first here on whether he believes this rivalry will be remembered as historically as someone like me is playing it up to be. And specifically, why are these two such special dance partners for one another? I think he's one of the best. Uh, that's why we fought for the three times, right? Uh, I think he's one of the best rivalry in boxing history. What makes it a great rivalry, in your opinion? Uh, the styles, uh, the all-around us, I think is this may a uh, uh, good rivalry. You know, Canelo's not wrong there, and I think his second point on the styles really plays into my second point under why this fight matters. Uh, these two are made for each other, and sometimes you can find that 
and great, you know, what makes a great rivalry? A lot of the times it's, it's the spectacular fights and the, and all that, but it's a lot of times it's the contrast of styles of what makes these two perfect for each other. Canelo Alvarez's style may have slowly changed from the start of this rivalry to where we are today. And I'll get into that as we move forward, but you know, he started as the boxer, the counterpuncher against the straight ahead force of nature of Gennady Golovkin, who carries big time power at all times, but always remains so responsibly defensively. And in terms of how he would set it up with that deep amateur background, that they were just perfect in the way that they countered and meshed with one another. And I think when you put together the resumes, the star power of each, and remember, you know, Triple G the last few years, really since these Canelo fights may not have been at the same level marketing wise that he once was, but let's not forget he was, uh, you know, he had endorsement deals with Jordan brand, you know, with Hublot watches, with, with many major crossover companies where he kind of became an overnight sensation for a few years there and stayed that way. When you got these two stars together, there was a intensity. The styles matched perfectly that I mentioned, but I think more importantly, it, it was the fireworks that they created. Their two first fights, both pay-per-views, both selling more than a million in the post Mayweather Pacquiao era, which is ridiculous. Why? Because Mayweather Pacquiao was a five and a half year build to get to this monster fight that we needed to see. And everybody, for the first time, paid $100 to see it. In fact, 4.4 million people, or 4.6, whatever it was, did pay. It's still the record, just slightly above Mayweather-McGregor. Uh, to, re to record a million pay-per-view buys after that, some, some people think Mayweather-Pacquiao killed the business for a while in that regard. People didn't have the same trust in putting their money down for pay-per-views uh, when they didn't feel like they got the entertainment back for how long of a build that was. Well, Canelo against Chavez Jr. had given us more than a million pay-per-view buys, as rare as that has been post-Mayweather Pacquiao. But these two, in their first two fights, they were blockbusters. And even more than that, they exceeded their in-ring entertainment potential. We were used, in this, used to in this era. It sounds like I'm sliding Floyd Mayweather, but you understand with a perfectly defensive, brilliant fighter like Floyd, he would talk you in the building often and then dismantle the opponent in front of him in ways that weren't always super exciting. Canelo and Triple G is a proven pay-per-view brand, whereas even with the long wait for this third fight, and even with people rightfully fearful about Golovkin's age and whether Canelo is just too good and too young for him, you know what you're getting from these two. That is a mixture of, you know, the blood and guts intensity of I'll do whatever it takes and bite down on the mouth guard to win the fight mixed with such an extremely high level of skill and ability to adapt in the big moments like Canelo did in the second fight to start moving forward and change the, the really the direction of this series by walking down the supposed bigger man in, in Golovkin. They're just perfect for each other. Uh, that Canelo adjustment in, in fight two won him the fight on most people's scorecards, or not most, let's say half. First fight, highly disputed. I had Triple G, nine rounds to three at ringside. Upon subsequent watches, I'm more happy in the seven rounds to five, 115, 113 area, but I think the point is proven. Triple G won that first fight. He got a raw deal at the end of the day. The rematch, though, because... Canelo was able to make that adjustment, figure it out, lean on his chin, walk Triple G down. I had it seven rounds to five for Golovkin. He was the better man on the punch stat numbers. The jab was still the major part of it. But Canelo landed enough big shots to, to sway a lot of people, and I don't think it's wrong if you had Canelo there. But that mid-fight adjustment just showed you 
you know, how close the series is, how great they are for each other. And, uh, you know, it does leave open the door for what type of adjustments Triple G can make in this third fight. We'll get to that. Uh, staying on this, they're perfect for each other theme. Let's go back to Canelo once more on this. Look, Canelo, let's give him credit. He's faced everybody possible. Faced Floyd when he was 23, right? Fighting at light heavyweight recently. Chasing down middle, super middleweight title holders regardless of how popular or how difficult they are. Where does Triple G rank in Canelo's eyes in the da most dangerous challenges he has faced in his career? He's one of the best. Obviously, he's one of the best. Uh, I think he's in the top five. Uh, he's one of the best fighters I, I ever faced. I mean, does top five sound like an insult? Not when you have the resume of Canelo Alvarez. If you had me to try to rank it knowing the, his great career, Floyd Mayweather was the toughest challenge he faced and and a, and a clear, clean, wide loss despite C.J. Ross's 114-114 scorecard that night. But yeah, Triple G's probably consistently across the board with respect to Miguel Cotto, with respect to so many fighters in their prime that Canelo went in there and beat. Triple G had a style that was perfect to give him trouble and an ability to, to make those two great fights, which is why we have a need for this third one. But my third and final point on why this fight matters is even though it's late, meaning we waited four years to get here for the third one, I still came around to believe, and I, and I stand by it, this third fight is better late than never or not at all. Why? Because I do think to a certain degree, Canelo's loss four months ago to Dimitri Bivol, who, yes, is a light heavyweight, whereas Golovkin is a career middleweight moving up to super middleweight for this fight. You saw Bivol execute a jab-heavy European amateur upright style that in some ways is not perfectly what Triple G does, but, but intention it is. I think that brought Canelo down to earth a bit. Canelo, uh, you know, I'm maybe the lone pound-for-pound pound voter who still kept Canelo at number one despite that loss under the guise of, look, he's daring to be great on a, like a ridiculous level, and he still lost 115-113 on all three scorecards across the board to Bivol, who's pretty damn great himself and pound for pound ranked. I didn't hold that against him at the end of the day, but did that loss show you at least a humanizing element to Canelo that outside of the two triple G fights was really only ever seen against Canelo. It's not, or I'm sorry, against Floyd. It's not that Canelo has never been in competitive fights before. The, the Cotto fight was more of a boxing match than a, than a brawl, right? But that was competitive. There's been a few of them, but we've never seen, Canelo handled in the way that either Floyd did, the way that Triple G's jab did in the first two fights, or the way that Bivol did in using the jab to keep that space, fill it in with clean, straight, pretty hard punches. I think Canelo comes into this fight still my pound for pound king, but maybe that aura, un as unfair or not as it is, that aura of just superhuman ability, that weight classes don't matter, that no matter what, Canelo keeps rising and carrying his power with him found the ceiling and there's nothing wrong with that but did that make this fight suddenly makeable again well it was always makeable again because of the commercial potential and DAZN's deep-rooted financial interest in maximizing the fact that they threw what 300 million at Canelo for his first DAZN deal they threw 100 million at Triple G for his first DAZN deal yet it's taken them four to five years here to finally make this fight also as I mentioned with Bivol's heavy jab style Triple G still has the one style, skill set, and temperament to give Canelo issues. That's just true at the end of the day. 
Um, it, it takes a special person because of how great Canelo is to do that. But Triple G is with that deep rooted amateur background, the silver medal in the Olympics for Kazakhstan, the 350 amateur fights. The fact that, you know, he carried that middleweight reign on top with a 23 fight knockout streak. You got to have a chin. You got to have the technical background and you've got to have the confidence and know-how to stick that jab in Canelo's face, regardless of the speed difference between them. And by the way, that did become a thing in both of those first two fights and keeping Canelo in it. The speed difference, not just with feet, but with hands, which I think ultimately allowed Golovkin to have success with his jab, but prevented him from having big success with that big right hand. Uh, it's still the same style that can give Canelo problems. Is this a different Triple G? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and again, we'll get into that. But at the end of the day, I'd rather see this fight happen now when it suddenly pops up again and feels relevant and feels necessary than not at all. And, and, and finally, on this point, Despite them them both kind of saying it's more biz, it's more business than person. I mean, we'll get we'll play the comments. We'll get into that. Uh, they're going to say different things publicly, right? But this rivalry is extremely personal. At the end of the day, so even if it's a, a bit past expiration date, or even if the physical changes they've had could alter this this outcome, and and why do I say that? Look, Triple G is like a four to one underdog. In this fight, I mean, he was the favorite in the first one. The second one, I believe Triple G was the favorite as well, although much closer. Uh, you know, Canelo's a wide favorite in this one. But the bad blood in between them not only matters when you consider the steroid accusations, the issues with the judging, Canelo pushing this fight off, mixed with let's reveal the curtain, you know, <laughs> let's show you behind the curtain. Canelo has ve had very few missteps in his run with this much leverage as the pound for pound King, as the biggest star in the sport where you can call your own shots. He waited out triple G two years before their first fight, 2017. And I don't think you can tell me differently. I, do I hold it like a scarlet letter against Canelo? No, he's given so much more good than bad for this sport, for the fans. I mean, did he knock out Archie Solis's teeth on a Guadalajara sidewalk over a dispute over a woman? Archie, Archie claims he did, uh, you know, okay. Okay. All right. Sure. I thought, uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt it. But Canelo also took on some fights at Canelo weight. He took on Amir Khan. He took on, you know, Liam Smith. He took on other fights that he didn't necessarily need to waiting a bit for, for Triple G to get older. Well, now Triple G is really older. But that bad blood's still there, which makes this fight still matter. So let's get into the fighters' takes on whether us in the media are overplaying this bad blood narrative. Here is Canelo once again responding to the same question I asked Triple G. Business or personal? Triple G told me, business, brother, all business. Here's Canelo's reaction. Yeah, for me, for me, look, business is always there for me. So for me, it's personal. You know, for for all that shit he's talk, he talked before. So for me, it's personal. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna take uh, that like uh, motivation and 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 do my job. And Triple G, who told me it's just business, and I'm going to be honest, I don't believe him. I don't believe him at all. I don't believe him at all. I know Triple G is a proud, angry man in this particular category. But I said, look, okay, it may be business to you, but you're a really nice guy, Triple G. Do you see this rivalry turning into what Gotti Ward became, where one guy was training the other, their best bros suddenly? Sometimes you share a ring with another man for that long and trade that kind of punishment 
you grow to endear him. Is that the case for Triple G for Canelo? Let's hear. Huh, that's a very interesting question. And I'll be honest with you. I'm an open person and I, I open, uh, I'm open to a friendly relationship. We are kind of like brothers in arms. Uh, we are in the same uh, field, in the same business, which is very dangerous. And um, so I'm open. Um, on the other hand, looking at his behavior, at his like way of thinking, his logic, uh, how he is like high in the clouds and uh, the words he's uttering, all that is uh, unacceptable. That's just improper way to behave. So I would say anything is possible. On the other hand, you know, like people learn from their mistakes, people can make uh, certain conclusions and change, but looking at him, I don't think he is able to do that now. Yeah, the, yeah, there's the real Triple G coming out of there. By the way, shout out to Triple G's own Russian translator uh, provided by his own camp there. Uh, and shout out to our great producer, Mikey Mormile, for editing that together. But, uh, you know, you saw the real answer come out of Triple G. Look, he's still sore. He's still sore about what he believes is is Canelo lying about the, the failed, you know, test for clenbuterol, tainted Mexican meat, that he straight up got caught taking roids. And what did he have to do? He sat out a few months and then he was back in the rematch with Golovkin. And then obviously the way that triple G looks back at the scoring of both fights, particularly that first one, I think part of him has blamed Canelo for this, meaning that it's not uncommon in boxing in big pay-per-view fights in Las Vegas. If there's a benefit of the doubt, it's going to shift to the money fighter. And the first fight that benefit of the doubt became stupidly wide when Adelaide bird scored at 118 to 110 for Canelo, not different than, CJ Ross, given that 114-114 decision, uh, you know, for the majority decision loss to Floyd for Canelo, even though I thought Canelo lost 11 or all 12 of those rounds. Uh, should he blame for Canelo for that? Well, he looks at Canelo as the face of this system that rewards the house money fighter. Luke Thomas, though, brought up a great question this week. If you got screwed twice in your eyes against the same fighter in the same city with the same commission in the same arena, T-Mobile, would you really come back for a third time against the same guy in the same circumstances? Those are questions Triple G will have to deal with. Uh, let's move into subhead number two, and that's what to watch for. The first one is a, is a, is the key question where we are right now. How much has Triple G at age 40 declined? A decent amount, I'll say. So here's the deal. He hasn't lost since the second Canelo fight, the only loss of his career, as I mentioned. He uh, has put together a package of four straight wins, including a middleweight title unification in April in Japan when he stopped Ryota Murata. But in that stretch, he took on a no-name in Camille Zarameta in late 2020. And even though he stopped him in the seventh round, Triple G took a lot of punishment. When Triple G blew away Steve Rolls in a soft comeback fight after the Canelo loss, he knocked him out, but he took a lot of punishment, albeit from a soft, soft-hand fighter. But you got to look closely at that fight of the year contender from October of 2019 in New York's Madison Square Garden against, you know, highly respected title contender, Sergey Derevinchenko, who's given really good fights to, you know, the Charlos, to uh, Danny Jacobs, to Golovkin. Golovkin came away with a close unanimous decision, 115-112 twice, 114-113. But that's not only a fight you could very easily argue could have gone to Derevinchenko. Triple G had a lean on that legendary chin in ways that shocked us, in ways that showed us, and albeit, by the way, that's three years ago up to this point, but even three years ago, yeah, he slowed down. 
I noticed his slowing a bit the first time, actually in the first two Canelo fights, which I talked about earlier. Triple G had great success with that jab, and boy, will he need it in a lot of ways to set a foundation to try to win rounds against Canelo in this trilogy. But I was shocked in that first fight at the speed difference between them, even though Canelo, never known at junior middleweight as having decently fast hands, never known as having fast feet, which is why he's developed so brilliantly into a high trunk rotating counterpuncher who can stand in there yet not get hit. Triple G just couldn't find him with his right hand in their first meeting. Really not in the second meeting either until the second half of that fight when Canelo started to walk him down and brought the fight to him. Only let's give Canelo the same credit for that chin. He bit down, he kept coming. But the fights that have happened after it have, I think, extremely showed at the very least the speed is gone. Uh, Triple G still cuts off the ring very well. He still has a heavy jab that he uses as a weapon. But the idea that, you know, he's not going to have to walk through hell to win this fight. He's he's going to have to. That's just the way it is. That's the biggest problem in his physical, you know, decline in that regard. Um, that's why Canelo's not only such a big favorite here, but you do see a lot of people saying, I think Canelo stops him. Uh, he has declined. So the need for Canelo, I'm sorry, for Triple G to play out a high jab heavy attack, which has been his calling card in the style that gives Canelo the most problems. He's never needed that more than ever, but he's going to need to have it more be about timing. And the problem with that is with the decline in age, what gave Triple G the greatest argument for having won the first two fights? The punch stats. It's not that the punch stats are the end-all be-all of who want to fight, but in, in some key ways, boy, can they, you know, tell the tale in certain categories and really embellish what you're trying to say. Okay, fight number one, Triple G was basically all jab all the time, and he outlanded Canelo by a margin of 218 to 169 back in 2017. One year later in their rematch, he still had an edge. It was a little bit closer, but it was still the same punching edge. The problem here for, for uh, ultimately for Triple G is that it was pretty much exclusively jabs. Sometimes you can get, uh, you know, the judges on the highest level. And, and, and you want to ask yourself here as we take a closer look at, at that second fight, the exact total and advantage there was 234 to 202 for Golovkin. But you can find different strike zones in the boxing judging game. And not everybody is just going to favor the guy who's coming forward and sticking that jab in your face, even when Triple G's jab is landing at a higher volume and really is being used as a weapon to create that space. Some judges not only will automatically prefer the guy coming forward, which is why some people believe Canelo deserved the nod in the second fight, but Canelo is so efficient at landing his power shots that in a lot of judges' minds, they would take four or five power shots per round compared to 12, 15 Golovkin jabs. Now, Golovkin is statistically, according to CompuBox, the best jabber in the history of the sport. Uh, that says a lot. He's going to need that. But with the decline in speed, he's also going to need to take extremely heavy punishment to win this fight. And it's not just to the chin, which let's, I mean, look, Golovkin is a cyborg, never down in 400 amateur or pro fights. According to him, never even buzzed. Danny Jacobs rung his bell with a two-fight combo late in their fight that would have killed a regular man. Canelo landed a monster fight punch, right hands in both 
the first fight and then round nine of that second fight where you're just like, good Lord, and Triple G shook it off and kept coming. We're going to need him to lean on that shield in ways to offset that speed disadvantage and, and, the, and the decline of his ability in ways that he never has before while still maintaining a high output with the jab. Because if the high output is not there, giving Triple G a potential argument on the scorecards against Canelo, if they go there for a third time, and by the way, the history of their chins tend to tell you they probably will go to the scorecards unless you really are playing into this decline in Triple G and the idea that Canelo might be able to finish him to the body, which, by the way, what's some of the biggest changes we've seen since the first fight, you know, it's Canelo's improvement on being just a body punching machine. But, you know, Triple G's going to have to go a long way. He compared uh, what he's trying to do at 40 to, you know, to, to, to Tom Brady in the NFL. I mean, it's not a crazy comparison to, to look at what George Foreman did at 45 by knocking out Michael Moore to win the heavyweight title. Because let's be fair here, Triple uh, Canelo, to me, is still a pound for pound king. Triple G at 40 enters into a bitter, bitter third fight with the only guy to put a blemish on his record and finds a way to beat him. This, you know, this is without question the biggest win of his career. So let's hear from Triple G talking about exactly how he feels at 40 and how that might affect this fight. How have, <laughs> how have you tailored your offense for the reality is that you might not be as quick as you once were? Yeah. You know, you know, mm-hmm. right. You know how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you're 25, right? I bet, right? Well, I'm I'm just a human. Uh, two legs, two arms. And uh, people who were 40, who were in my shoes, understand what I feel now. Younger athletes, maybe not yet. But those who turned 40 already, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's the deal. If he's unable to to land the jab consistently, his only avenue to victory is going to be a brawl here. And there, you know, there's a lot of people saying that given the the bad blood and given you know the fuel that Marquez had in that fourth fight with Pacquiao to knock him out, maybe that's the best style and strategy anyway. Given the declined skills of Golovkin to do that, you know, I don't I don't know talking to him and talking to his coach if if they will do that if they plan on doing that. But if the jab is not finding a home consistently. Golovkin will have no other choice but to do that, to bite down and fight his way out. So what to watch for, first and foremost, as I mentioned, Triple G, to offset that age, that jab is going to have to be sharp first, and he is going to have to put Canelo in a position to counter and lower his output and really load up for big power shots to give Triple G that potential advantage on the scorecards, or at least to build the foundation for a potential strong finish to steal the fight. It must be there. But number two on what to watch for is what I teased around in terms of the body. Canelo's best best path for a knockout, given the history of both having insane chins, it actually is to the body. I think Jonathan Banks, the trainer of, of Triple G, who wasn't the trainer in the first two fights against Canelo, that was Abel Sanchez. There may be a reason why Abel Sanchez was fired after the second Canelo Alvarez fight. But what Banks sort of told me is that you look at you look at how Canelo. I'm sorry, how Canelo has consistently gone to the body since these first two fights. That transition for Canelo may have actually happened in the second fight. In the first fight against Triple G, Canelo was more of a boxer, not a traditional come forward heavy jab boxer, but looking to be that counter fighter 
low level of output, efficient big shots. The second fight, he switched and started coming forward. So what happened since that second fight in 2018? Canelo only had one more fight at middleweight. It was a very close decision win over Danny Jacobs. Every other fight was at 168 and 175 pounds. And what made that so interesting is Canelo completely changed his identity in those two divisions, essentially becoming a walk, you know, come forward stalking menace who went to the body in huge ways, folded Rocky Fielding in half to win that secondary title, you know, stopped Billy Joe Saunders, not to the body, but with that ridiculous sort of side half uppercut, uh, you know, and, and every one of these title wins, Callum Smith, you know, Caleb Plant, just going ham to the body. Canelo is one of the most insanely uh, persistent, accurate, powerful body punchers. It's become an out for him to go to that left hook to the liver and get you out of there. And ultimately, I think that's with Triple G's chin just being, look, if Triple, they always say in boxing, if you can see the punches coming, it's just about you biting down and enduring the pain, right? It's, it's As long as you can see it coming, your chin's not going to get turned. Your equilibrium's not going to be off. You know, your brain's not going to get jumbled. You're not going to get knocked down. Uh, Triple G got hurt to the body, it, lo- it seemed. He won't admit it, but it seemed against Derevinchenko. That is a big thing to watch out for. If Canelo early on is basically saying, okay, I'm going to try my best to get in and out of Triple G's jab, but I am going to build a foundation early downstairs. What will that do? That will suck away at Triple G's gas tank. That will leave him vulnerable in the second half when Canelo tends to turn it up. And how this plays into Abel Sanchez, the former trainer of Golovkin, is can, Mikey, can we, our great producer, can we throw back up the, the punch stats of the first fight? The biggest thing that stood out in the first fight, despite the fact that Golovkin landed more punches and had such a huge advantage in jabs, is that despite having this so called Mexican style, uh, given to him in so many ways by Abel Sanchez, he only went to the body eight successful times in the first fight. So that second fight, the rematch, what were we saying? Look, Triple G, you want to leave no doubt? Well, one, you should go for the knockout, right? Easier said than done. But two, you got to go to the body against Canelo and hurt him. If we can throw up that the, the post here for the second fight, the biggest glaring thing on the punch stats, look at total body punches landed. Six for Gennady Golovkin to 46 for Canelo. Being a headhunter exclusively against somebody like Canelo whose upper trunk movement is dynamic and is naturally the smaller, faster fighter in so many ways, especially in the face of an aging Triple G right now, I think that's why Abel Sanchez got fired. I haven't seen overall a huge commitment to the body in the six or so fights under Jonathan Banks, the new trainer. But if it's not part of the attack here, this is a, an avenue, I think, of potential, not, maybe not victory, at least sustainability for Triple G that he's closing the door on. Now, the, the the counter to that is that, look, to go to the body, why do so many fighters not commit to it? Because you're leaving yourself open upstairs to commit to these deep hooks. And a Triple G at this point, you know, with the speed difference, should it do that? Well, look, Triple G is already essentially established in this fight against Alvarez that with that speed difference, no matter the age, he's going to lean on the chin. I think the body is where he can get hurt. And I think that uh, the body's where he can get hurt big time. So if I'm Triple G, not only am I looking to add body punches to the attack, he has to find a way defensively to, to take this away from, to, from Canelo. He has got to find a way to make Canelo pay when he's committing to the body, whether that's coming over the top with a clean right hand counter, which is not a big part of Golovkin's offense. 
Uh, the whole idea that it can be jab or nothing. Yeah, the foundation has to be a jab. But if he leaves open this back door and you're someone saying, oh, look at the age difference between them and the ability difference over the years, Canelo's going to stop him to the body. If Triple G does nothing to stop that, that could ultimately become his, his Achilles heel. Now let's stay on the topic of Triple G's chin because I did ask Jonathan Banks about it. Look, Triple G's got a legendary one. What if this fight ultimately comes down to how much damage Triple G can take to the chin while looking at 40 to, to unload his own? Here's what Jonathan Banks said about that potential possibility. Um, I use this motto all the time. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Like so um, I guess I I agree with you. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a hell of a fight. Um, I yeah my 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 wish my desire is for G to close the show in dramatic fashion, you know. But believe me, Canelo could take a hell of a punch as well. That is true. He's, he's, he's no he's no pushover from from taking taking shots from some of the from from much bigger guys. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, he took he took right hands out the right hands from G that 90% of people fell from and never recovered. And he took it, act like it was a it was a, like a piece of meat, ate it and kept going. They're both savages. They're both all-time great, recuperative, <laughs> stubborn, tough, iron chin fighters. But that superpower is going to have to, it's just what it is. It's gonna to have to be on full display for Golovkin, whether the trainer wants him to go to that dark place or not if he's going to have a chance to pull the upset and get the victory here. The final point under what to watch for is I think this is a weird one, but important in this case, both fighters should not fear tapping into their emotions. Normally you don't want to do that, right? No one wants to come in combat sports into a fight all jacked up to hurt the other man because you know, it gases you out the tension and it takes you off your game plan, right? So, you know, I, I, I talked to Triple G about the business or personal. He's staying in that lane so hardcore of it's just business. I don't know if that's going to be the fuel he necessarily needs, even though I thought he was kind of playing me. I, don't, I think if he doesn't tap into that emotion of the anger between them and what this fight winning it can mean to like, you know, taking those two blemishes, the draw, the loss that he didn't believe happened. I watched with my own eyes. I didn't score for Canelo. What's the best way to remove that, right? Finding the fire in your pit, in, in your belly, tapping into that Juan Manuel Marquez energy from the fourth Pacquiao fight, where his mindset was, the fans don't really want this fourth fight, there's customer fatigue, but if you're Marquez, you thought you got screwed in the first one, which was a draw, where Marquez got off the canvas three times in round one and rallied the hell back. He thought he got robbed in round in fight number two, which was, you know, flip the coin, all-time great matchup. And in fight number three, he thought he was egregiously robbed. I scored in the draw, but Pacquiao started slow. You may remember that fight in 2011. Same night as De Los Santos Velasquez won on U uh, UFC on Fox in their debut, by the way. Pacquiao's wife reportedly caught him cheating in the locker room or, or approached him in the locker room before that fight and was like, you need to change your ways. So not only did Pacquiao come out flat in the third Marquez fight, he came out as a counterpuncher. He tried to counter the counterpuncher. It didn't work. Pacquiao rallies down the stretch. Marquez feels he's screwed again. By the way, it's not dissimilar to where Golovkin's at. What did Marquez do? Well, he probably loaded up on a shitload of performance-enhancing drugs so that at age 40 he could be jacked up and bricked and still, you know, like number three pound for pound. But he lured Pacquiao into a brawl 
and he took the judges out of it. Now, look, I asked Triple G, you know, you want to do that same thing? Is that the best strategy if you've gotten screwed twice? You know, his response is, is no. Ideally, he'd like to get a knockout, but, you know, given the chin of Canelo, given what happens against elite opponents, it's hard. I'll respect that. But you do have to look deeper into what we were debating in morning combat this week. If you, what's the definition of, you know, of insanity, doing the same thing three times in a row, and getting the same results? Something here has to change in a big way. And I think for Triple G, if he doesn't tap into those emotions, Canelo will. And I think that's, uh, you know, ultimately the key. Canelo's coming into this fight, you could argue, and we, we, we argued earlier this week, does he have the right motivation to win this fight? Well, talking to him yesterday, it kind of, you heard that sound earlier, it kind of seemed like it does. He's still holding Triple G guilty for these comments, these accusations. And I think we can't overlook that coming off of the B-ball loss when he was Superman, right? When he was pound for pound king and couldn't do wrong. Then he got humble. I think Canelo has the full spectrum motivation now to come in here and handle his business. And if Triple G doesn't dig into those deep, dark stuff, especially in the second half of this fight and leave no doubt and use every ounce that he has inside of him to try to get this win, Canelo will do the exact same to him. Now, why do I say that? There's history here. Am I calling Triple G a front runner? No. But in his very close fights, the two Canelo ones, the one against Danny Jacobs, which I scored a draw, very close uh, Golovkin win at Madison Square Garden, in, in the same building, the fight against Derevinchenko. I didn't see an urgency of Triple G to rally late in fights that were obviously close. And I saw a guy a little too robotic and a little too safe. Robotic meaning live and die by the jab, unable to track down Canelo in particular with the right hands, but I did not see an urgency to try to take the chances. We're talking about leaning on his chin. He leaned on his chin just in the course of battle, but I didn't see an urgency that said, I got to take matters into my own hands and change the potential results. I saw a guy who basically said, this is the best way I know how to fight. And if the judges don't like it, well, you know, they wronged me. That works once, twice. Is Triple G willing to go to the end of the career and, and retire and walk away? 0 for 3 against Canelo? In some fights, maybe he should have won but got screwed. And maybe in this one, potentially, that he could have won but didn't go for it. Now, look, we're asking a lot of a guy who carries a very high output already, who's 40 years old, to go in there against the best fighter in the world when he's a 4-1 to underdog. I get that. But if this fight is close at the three-quarter mark and Triple G is not breaking glass in case of emergency to go for it, you know what's going to happen? He's going to lose a decision. That's just the truth at the end of the day. Also, Canelo is more dangerous right now, and as I established, he does have something to prove. Triple G is going to have to fight meaner. So here's here's the, the dichotomy of, of Triple G that's been so interesting and why we fell in love with him. The, the best the best possible gentleman, baby-faced, has corny English one-liners, you know what I mean? Big, big gift for people, drama show, I like my Mexican style. You know, we know all the one-liners. But he's a killer in the ring. But he's a killer in the ring when he builds a big advantage and takes you the hell out. And it's not that we haven't seen him face adversity outside of the Canelo fight. I mean, for example, the, the when 
Triple G had that that flu and he took on Gabriel Rosado that time. And Rosado suddenly taking his shots and landing big right hands. It was like, oh crap, we got to see Golovkin go to the second gear. Well, he did and he stopped him brutally. But what Triple G does not do, despite the mean intentions of his punches, is fight me. And am I asking a clean cut guy to cheat? Well, I'm asking him to be physical. I'm asking him to show Clanello no respect. I'm asking him to even do what Floyd Mayweather does at times, lead with your forearm to set up your right hand. I'm asking Triple G to do his best to offset what the years have done to his ability and what the potential built-in advantages that Canelo may or may not have as the, the money guy, right, in Vegas by fighting differently than the first two fights than really he ever has before and being willing to crawl, to scratch, bite. Like, like you get what I'm saying, right? Like whatever it takes. If Triple G can't go there in ways that flirt with legality, I'm not sure he can win this fight. But if you're the coach of Triple G, do you actually want this? Do you want your fighter who's only known one way and had insanely great success to get so far off script that he's channeling Marquez in the fourth fight? Well, let's hear what Jonathan Banks had to say about that exact proposition. If, if, if that was the case, then his people never should have got the two judges from the first fight to be in the third fight, if that was the case. But... Um, <laughs> But to answer your question, um, nah, I don't, I don't, when I talk to him, I'm not looking at it like, um, the, the best way for G to perform is emotionless. Yeah. Now, that may not work for every fighter, you know what I'm saying? But for this particular fighter, the best way for him to go and go at this fight is keeping it business and keeping his emotions at home. Because that's the best way, that's the that's the best way to do it. You know what I'm saying? He um, if you want to pick up his emotions in the locker room, fine. But he don't need them in the ring, you know, because this is strictly, this is strictly business. This is what he this is what he do. You know what I'm saying? So it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hell of a fight regardless of how the judges see it, how they score, it's gonna be a hell of a fight regardless. And um and as as the fight go on, yes, we we definitely want the victory. We definitely want to close close the third chapter of the, of the of this situation. You know, but the emotions plays no part in it. Does his trainer know him better than I do, you know, after five fights? Surely I would guess that the intimacy there. Has Golovkin, you know, adopted that that European amateur style mixed with that sort of cyborg mentality to remove emotions and go in there and deliver the boom? Again, in fights where he's had a distinct advantage and got to a point where he can go downhill with that heavy jab, yeah. When Golovkin smells blood and he has you hurt and he believes he can get you out of there, you don't find a better finisher in this modern history. Relive Golovkin's, you know, knockout of... Uh, of uh, we live all of them. Okay. I mean, I can point out one or two of my favorites, Matthew Macklin. I was ringside for in Connecticut, that body shot that sounded like a shotgun. That guy's in there. But when you meet your match and Golovkin certainly has done that with Canelo, I don't know, man, you're going to need something different. You're going to have to dial it back up, which takes us to our third and final subhead in this of who wins 
why keys to victory and all that. I think the last points we're saying bleed into this. Let's set the stage here. Here's what I mean. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Canelo's back with Triple G in the same building, same commission, same city, same circumstances. And you heard Jonathan Banks tease it there. Two of the three same judges who have a history here. So to recap, the judges that have the history that are back, Steve Weisfeld and Dave Moretti, in their defense, they are two of the best that we have in this game, which is why they are always front and center for the Las Vegas title fights. And I think that their scores in this fight, history, have been more than adequate. Dave Moretti scored the first fight, 115-113 for Golovkin, the only one of the six scorecards in their two fights that went in Golovkin's favor. Dave Moretti in the second fight scored at 115-113 for Canelo. Not a robbery. Perfectly fine. Steve Weisfeld, who also judged the second fight, scored at 115-113 for Canelo. Again, nothing wrong with that. To show you how fair they are, both Weisfeld and Moretti just officiated Canelo's loss to Dimitri Bivol four months ago and both scored at 115-113 for Dimitri Bivol. So what we're not doing here is creating a foundation of corruption that will carry over from the first two fights. Was there some level of either corruption, ignorance, or just incapability in the, particularly in that 118-110 scorecard from the first fight, Adelaide Bird? There has to be. There has to be. There has to be. But in general, this rivalry, even with me scoring it for Golovkin twice in both fights, is a lot closer than that 118-110 controversy would lead some to believe. So that means that to some degree, what Canelo has done in these fights has rang true to the judge's eyes in a big way. The fact that he can counter with such big power shots and the fact in fight number two that he walked Triple G down. Now, I did ask Banks about that narrative, and he, even though he wasn't the trainer for those fights, he thinks the narrative's a little overblown. He says even though it was Canelo moving forward in the second fight, he thought Canelo was doing more blocking to try to get inside, and it was Triple G, and the punch stats do tell you, that was consistently jabbing him to keep it away. But judges love power shots more than jabs, rightfully so. So the definition of insanity, in my eyes, would be to go back in the same fight against the same fighter with two of the three same judges and the same whole foundation, given the years apart, given the decline in age, and fighting the same exact style and game plan. Now, could Triple G and Jonathan Banks be telling me or any other media members things that can, you know, try to trick up Canelo? It's possible. You could play gamesmanship there. But Triple G has always been an honest dude about that life. And what I took from my interviews with him and his trainer is that they don't plan on changing a thing. That when they look at Canelo and they believe that Dimitri Bivol in particular took things from uh, that took things from Golovkin's performance in the first fight against Canelo and utilized that against Canelo to beat him. I agree with that. We do have to remember, again, that Triple G is a middleweight who's moving up to super middleweight, and Bivol is a light heavyweight with some stiff punches along with the technique. I do agree with that. But my key to victory for Triple G, if he is to do so in this fight, he has to be far less predictable than he has been. In fact, if he comes in with that same exact mindset, which it sounds like they are, of I'm going to live and die by this jab. Yeah, I'm going to try to set up that right hand. 
but it's the jab, it's the technical balance, it's staying in, in Canelo's face, it's cutting off the ring to always live and die. Look, Triple G's jab, like I said, statistically the best we've ever seen, and it is a weapon. But he's slower, and Canelo's better. If Triple G stays the same predictable of one, one, two, he's going to find predictable results. And that's either being stopped to the body or losing another competitive, maybe even close, who knows? And that's the thing. We are kind of in a way, and I did this too. I was guilty of this last year and a half. The idea of this third fight, I'm like, no, nah, man, come on. You saw Triple G against Dervinchenko. He's not the same dude, and Canelo's amazing. We waited too long. We don't need this fight. I think the circumstances, as I said, have colluded to bring this fight back into a, a potential meeting where it it's, makes sense. And Triple G could have success, but he can't have success the old way. In fact, the old way got him really close, but never got him the win to begin with. And now we got the same judges in the same seats who, in theory, appreciate the same thing coming at them. It's not going to work, guys. So what can Triple G do, do different? I, I like the idea of going to the body and not worrying as much about leaving his chin open because, as I established earlier, at 40 with the declined skills, if Triple G's not willing to risk getting knocked out to have a chance to win, he's going to lose a wide decision. And it's going to be about how much damage can he take. So, you know, are there things they could pick up on from the Bivol fight, from the other fights in Canelo's catalog, under the idea that he has changed as a fighter? Maybe. They're smart men. In fact, one thing I really liked about what Jonathan Banks told me, as I said earlier, is that they believe Canelo is no longer a boxer. They believe he is a come-forward aggressive fighter. If that's the case, is Triple G's jab-heavy style still the greatest defense to counter that? At the core, yes. But if they are not bringing in wrinkles, if Triple G is not going to be physical in the clinch, borderline dirty, or if he's not going to be willing to throw more punches in a different variety than Canelo is used to, they cannot win this fight. Canelo's chin is too great. It really is. They cannot win this fight. Something drastic needs to change. Foundation of the jab, yes. But if that's it, and if it's passive down the stretch, I mean, there are some people who are saying, hey, Triple G, given your age, do the Marquez thing. Look at this fight as a six or eight round fight, not a 12 round fight. Uh, you know, point your gas tank in that direction and empty it out. You got nothing to lose. In in theory, I think legacy-wise, Triple G does have nothing to lose. N not really, right? No one's going to damn him at 40 if he loses to Canelo here. There's always going to be people that are saying, look, in that rivalry, come on, the guy got screwed. There's only a lot to gain. And if you have that superpower and you do, power is the last thing to go in both hands. Hey, Triple G, use it. That's just me talking. Key to victory for Canelo Alvarez under the guise of who wins and why. It's simple to me. Alvarez should start start smart, but he should finish bold. And what that means is this. Triple G is going to be at his best and most dangerous early in theory as the older man coming in, spite-filled despite what he tells you, ready to deliver. This is where Alvarez needs to be smart, Lower that output, be the counter puncher that he was in the first fight, but establish to the body as we talked about in a big way, but set the stage for that second half of the fight when inevitably Triple G is going to slow down at 40. And that's when Canelo has to step it up and be the fighter of the second half of the second fight 
walk him down, but go to the body and try to stop him. Will he? It's certainly possible. I do believe that despite the age, we will get the best of what's left with Triple G. Now, does that include my rant where I need him to fight different than he ever has in his whole career to try to win this fight? Even if he doesn't, I do think that there's a stubbornness. Look, every great fighter has one great performance left. It's so true. Eric Morales with one eye shut against Marcos Maidana to, to you know, nearly pull off a draw. Yeah, it's, it's that. They got one left. There's enough fuel here for Triple G to find one last stand. And because of that, I don't think he gets stopped. But because of all the other reasons, I don't think he wins either. Canelo Alvarez, by unanimous decision, in a competitive early but wide late spectacular performance. Unless we see the major changes from Triple G that will offset what time and age has done to him, rinse, repeat, and maybe stoppage to the body. Because, yes, Canelo Alvarez is that good. Yes, he has enough to prove. Yes, I question his motivation, but after talking to him, I can see that eye of the tiger under there. As Jonathan Banks said, as I think a lot of us say, regardless of where you're leaning, regardless of what you think is left of Triple G, two times this rivalry has gotten together and these two have authored action classics. Old school title fights with extreme high level of skill, emotion, intensity. That'll be there again. This is worth your time this weekend, even if some of the narratives have changed. For Canelo, he has the chance to, to just put away all that talk about the scorecards and all that, even the steroids, if anyone's still talking about that. And he's kind of become Teflon to that argument with all the success he's had. It'd be a, it'd be a nice, nice capstone to put on as the first man to stop Gennady Golovkin. We know what it means for Triple G. And I think it does mean a lot for boxing and boxing fans indeed. Enjoy the ride this weekend. Hopefully I have set the course for you. Told you what to look for, what to believe in, and what we can expect. They'll do it this Saturday. DAZN pay-per-view, T-Mobile Arena, number three in a rivalry that has delivered, that has meant so much to so many of us. Uh, I will be here with you after the fight, Morning Combat, instant analysis. Yeah, you see the logo, the merch, morningcombat.store if you want to jump on board. My partner in crime, Luke Thomas, will be back with me this uh, week from Friday to set the stage one final time as he makes his prediction. Follow, like, and subscribe. The Boxing Breakdown, that's it. It's over. We did it, and we're out.